Welcome to the Coach and Doc podcast, hosted by Coach Chris Cutcliffe and Dr. Hunter Taylor. Our mission is to bring you insight from the best of the best in the coaching profession. If you'd like to learn more about the work we do at Coach and Doc, please visit our website, www.coachanddoc.com. On this episode of the podcast, we're going to get away from our usual format of bringing in an outstanding coach for us all to learn from. Instead, we're going to let you in on a presentation that we recently did for the Chamber of Commerce here in Oxford, Mississippi. The title of this presentation, The Importance of Clarity During Chaos. Um, since she introduced it, I'll just briefly uh, talk about how Chris and I kind of got together, and then, uh, and then we'll just kind of uh, roll into this conversation. We want uh, everybody to feel free uh, if you have a question and you'd rather type it uh, as opposed to, to just interjecting with voice, please feel free. We, we want to just uh, make this uh, something that's helpful. Okay, that's, that's the sole reason we're here is just that it's something helpful and, and uh, that we have a good time doing it as well. Uh, but about three years ago, uh, Chris and I kind of got together. We have a close mutual friend, and I know a lot of people probably know him on this Zoom account as well, and, and that's Andy Mullins. Andy Mullins uh, was a longtime professor, uh, uh, administrator at the university, uh, just somebody that we always idolized and looked up to. And when uh, Andy hired me back three years ago, um, uh, kind of through him, kind of got connected with Chris. And I had done a little bit of research uh, before coming over uh, about coaching. I was still a basketball coach at the time, and, and I had this stuff, and I wanted it to be useful. And, and, uh, and uh, Andy just bragged and bragged uh, about how awesome Chris is, uh, and we kind of got together and, and I showed him some stuff and, and Chris is obviously super gifted as evidenced by this year, especially, but, uh, the fun thing was he, he kind of invited me in then to, to help him on, uh, making some things in his program a little bit stronger. It was more in the off season and it had to do with a lot of like the character development stuff that, uh, that he wanted for, uh, the guys in his program. So we really just started meeting weekly, and uh, three years later, here we are, and uh, we feel like it's been effective. Um, I borrowed a ton of ideas from him uh, with uh, several of the teachers that I work with in the Mississippi Teacher Corps, and, and we started just thinking, hey, this stuff's too good to, to just hold to ourselves. So we started to like, how can we build some templates, some systems for other people that they can take with them and use uh, in their environments, and, and so we started this uh, this, this little side project, we just call it coach and doc. And it's just, it's just another resource, uh, for, for people always seeking things out. And, uh, and we are definitely not that smart, but we've been around a lot of smart people. And so we steal, uh, and we borrow, uh, and, and we try and make it our own and, and we we think it helps people. And, and, uh, so that's what we're trying to do right now. Yeah, I think Hunter really kind of summed it up. You know, like you said, we've been working together for, for about three years now. And, um, you know, the first, I guess the first week that Hunter and I, um, you know, the first time I met Hunter, the first week that we worked together, he basically came in and kind of served as a fly on the wall um, for our football program for a week. He came to player meetings, workouts, practices, coaches meetings, you know, just kind of came and observed some different aspects of what we did over the course of a week. And, um, you know, came, rode the bus with us to a game that week, um, 
it was actually a crosstown classic um a few years ago it was that happened to be that week and you know came and, and just just outside perspective um you know just kind of took took everything in and uh we got together that next week and he was able to kind of give me some feedback on things that, that we were doing well, but and then also on things that we needed to do better. And I think that was, I think that kind of gets at the, the heart of what both of us are trying to do um, with, with MTC and with, with Oxford football when we're, you know, collaborating and working is, is we both just want to be, we want to make our, our programs better, both of them. And um, you know, and, and I think being able to have somebody that you can get honest feedback from, uh, on things is really critical when it comes to that, you know, and, and also having somebody that you can, you know, you're willing to accept that sometimes, uh, you know, criticism from, or, or, you know, some, some types of, of feed constructive criticism. Um, but you know, that, that type of relation, relationship has been very beneficial for both of us, I think. Well, I think what Chris and I thought we'd do uh, with this is just kind of have a conversation, he and I, and, and again, anyone is welcome to interject at any point. If there's something that's confusing or, or something that a person relates to what you're going through right now and you'd like some advice, uh, we kind of just broke this down into a couple things. And he shared a slide. And I think with anyone's work history, right, you, like you've been involved with some really great staffs, programs, organizations, but you've also been with some not so great staffs and organizations and you learn so much from both but you especially remember what it was like when it was kind of a rocky season right and that doesn't necessarily mean a pandemic but it means you know that there was a lot uh, it wasn't necessarily a good time and, and you paid close attention to what certain leaders and managers did with the staff that you were on or when it was your turn you, you just remember what things you did well what things you didn't do so well and you try and get better so we broke this down into four things, and we're just going to have a conversation. Again, please feel free to interject at any point. Um, but the, the first one that we want to talk about is, is you got to know your people, especially uh, when you're in something like right now where everybody's feeling the squeeze. There's a lot of fear from a health perspective, from a financial perspective, from uh, uh, where are we going? you know, what direction are we going through? And uh, I, I was listening to something the other day. He and I were talking, the, the NFL draft was on last week. I'm sure many of you saw it. Uh, it was like the third round, you know, they would have like these random guests. And where there was one person that was on the, the television, he came on and he had played in the NFL, but for whatever reason, I think he was like a Rhodes Scholar. You know what I'm talking about? He was like, a, I think he played at Florida State. Then he was a Rhodes Scholar. And then now he's at Harvard Medical School and they brought him on to talk about the health crisis and some things that he's seeing in his career. And he said, the biggest thing that we need to first start with is uh, we're seeing a ton of numbers, uh, a ton of data, uh, a ton of general st statistics. And the first thing we need to do is put a narrative on these numbers uh, and that's not going to hit home for everybody until you've done that. And so I know one thing that we do, uh, we've spent time doing, the past couple of weeks uh, in the Mississippi Teacher Corps, and this is working with teachers that are serving in the state right now in different public schools, is we want them to almost like sit down and write descriptions of their students, their families, their home lives as best they know it, but be as specific and detailed as possible. 
And once you kind of do that, you develop empathy because you see that not everybody has the same structure. It's not equal. And you also see that some people have grandma and grandpa living with them, or they have uh, a parent that's going to have to be gone for a couple of days because they had to find work in this or that. And you just see there's different expectations uh, that are put on kids right now that's completely different than the norm. And so we're talking about assigning work and how we can teach people and all these different things that we feel like we need to get from an accountability standpoint. We need to keep in mind about the stories that they're living out right now at this very moment. And so for, I know this is just something that we had touched on. I know you want to add to that, but the first thing is we got to know who you're serving. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, another thing kind of along those lines is, you know, there's a lot of opinions about what's going on right now. And so the people I know for me, like, you know, students or, or football players or, you know, and you can incorporate their families and their parents, the opinions on what's, you know, and what we should be doing, how should we be handling things range from one end of the spectrum to the other, you know, so I think being respectful of, of all of that and kind of knowing, um, you know, who you're working with is, is crucial, you know, and uh, I, I just, I think the other side of it is especially during chaotic times, knowing people and knowing your people well enough to know what they respond to individually, I think is really important. I know they, you know, people talk a lot, a lot about that in education about, you know, you don't necessarily um, treat student, every student the same, you know, that's, that's not, that's not what the goal is, but the goal is to treat everyone in a way to help them be the best, right? And it's equitable. It's not necessarily equal. Um, and it kind of, there's a funny story that kind of goes along with, with this idea of knowing how you treat different people differently. We had, I, I went to, um, I went to college at Tennessee and worked for the football team at Tennessee while I was in school. And, um, you know, so we had our starting quarterback at the time was Eric Ainge. And um, he was the kind of guy that you could, you know, if he messed something up, um, you know, the coach could have a conversation with him, you know, very normal, you know, interaction, it would get corrected, you know, and that's what he responded to. Um, you know, it was that kind of back and forth just in a normal type of, you know, conversation. Our backup quarterback was a guy who went on to have a very successful career at Tennessee, played a little while in the NFL. Uh, Jonathan Crompton was his name. Okay. And my dad was the quarterback's coach at the time. And uh, Jonathan was number one, one of the, maybe number two high school quarterback in the country coming out of high school, fantastic player, but he did not respond to, you know, let's just sit down and have a, a little conversation about this. He was the type of person that you had to be very direct and you had to be, you know, sometimes abrupt with, and you had to, you know, not beat around the bush. Like we're having an issue. We need to get fixed right now. And uh, so there was a practice where, you know, things had not been going very well. So they took a, a little two-way radio and they taped it inside his helmet so that uh, the coaches could talk to him before plays, during plays, after plays. And they were just, you know, kind of all over him, letting, you know, letting him have it for every little mistake he was making but that was what he needed, uh, you know, and if you had done that with the other guy, it would have, he would have crumbled. He would not have handled that well at all, you know? So I think it's just interesting to know that everybody kind of responds to different things and know what buttons to push with different people, especially during, you know, chaotic times. No doubt. I think the, the next part we talked about a little bit yesterday was even like, okay, so now that I know my, we know each other, uh, we know our staffs, we know our players, whoever we're taking care of, 
then the next thing goes to like, what is exactly essential? And I understand we talked about, you know, there are certain times, you know, in the market or something like that, where this is also, I think you'd hear advice that this is a very, uh, there's a lot of opportunity in a, in a, in a time period like this. Right. And so you got to be strategic about, Hey, how can we really show that what we're doing matters, um, that we're here to serve, et cetera. But there's also a piece that you've got to understand. I think after knowing who you're serving and what their daily schedule's like, we need to kind of be vanilla. Like we need to know what we need to do to continue to grow and progress, but it's not the time to maybe like get super fancy with it. So like we were talking the other day about how we've had certain friends that have complained about, uh, you know, man, they're getting micromanaged like crazy right now. Okay. Um, because we're not, we don't see each other. Right. And so there's hearing anecdotes about certain bosses that are, you know, they're calling and checking in. They want this report done by this and this, and we want to have, you know, four zoom meetings in a day. And it's really, it's just almost kind of like checking up on you, et cetera. And it kind of goes back to what we were talking about yesterday of like, like, why did you hire the person if you can't trust them? Like people need autonomy right now, a ton. Like they do need direction and clarity as far as here's what we need to have done. Bam, bam, bam. But then I've got to allow people, you know, kind of like we were just talking earlier in this, like we've all got kids. So kids are running around. We've got schedules that are different. Everybody that serves on your staff has different schedules, uh, students, whatever it is. Like it's just been disrupted. So you got to give people a little bit of autonomy about how they execute certain things. Uh, and, and that takes a lot of trust uh, on the leader's part. But again, like it goes back to what we were talking about. Like why'd you hire the person if you've got to have five Zoom meetings to make sure that they're doing what they were supposed to do? Yeah, I think there's no doubt. And I think a lot of times, you know, the micromanaging aspect comes from a, a good place, you know, um, it comes from wanting to do things well, wanting to make sure that, you know, you dot every I and cross every T. It's not, you know, it's not coming from a bad place or, or you know, really a negative mindset. Um, you know, I felt like, and my, for me personally, my first year as a head coach, that was my number one critique of myself was that I did not create enough autonomy with our other coaches or empower them enough. And we had, we, we still have, we have some really talented coaches, no doubt. And so, that was, you know, like a, a critique of myself, but it came from a place of wanting to make sure that everything was done great, you know, but you have to give people autonomy and you have to trust them, uh, you know, to do that. And I, it's, that's not always easy to do, but I think it's crucial, especially now, because you definitely want people feeling some ownership of what's going on, I think, during, you know, any time, but certainly during a time like this, when, when you know, there's really no sense of normalcy, everything's disrupted. Um, you know, you definitely want people owning what's going on. And I think the more autonomy you give them, uh, the more they're going to feel that ownership and, uh, you know, really, you know, be committed to, to what's happening. I think coupling like that autonomy too, uh, is, is just simplifying what the objective is for each person. So I think something that Chris is really good at is he allows 
staffers to be experts, but experts in certain areas, right? So like if I'm going to empower this employee, then I, I don't want, I want to give, I want to empower this one in a different way. And so like when we do have these all together zoom meetings or we have all together staff meetings, if it's in person too, um, this person, I just want to know that you're responsible for this particular area. I think that's a gift that you can give somebody, especially during this time when there's just so much going on internally that you might not be aware of, of like, Hey, all I want you to do is worry about this right here. I heard uh, this statement from an old, he was an old folksy high school coach, but he said this, he said, a little cheese is better than a lot of cheese. <laughs> uh, and you know, you, it sounds funny, but it, it's true too. Of Like if, if I can simplify for my team, I just want you to make sure that you master this. That gives somebody a great peace uh, when there's so much, there's just a lot going on right now. Yeah, I think there's no question. And uh, I do think when, when you give somebody that opportunity, um, you know, I think to, to, be a, to be an expert in an area in front of their peers, I think that really empowers people as well in that kind of setting. Um, you know, and, and I think it, it gets into, you know, I, I, this also makes me think a little bit about my classes. You know, I, I teach Algebra 3 um, at, at the high school. And um, so, you know, we had to make decisions in Algebra 3. It's, a, you know, it's a pre-AP course. It's, it's kind of designed as a pre-calculus course, essentially, the way we, we structure it. So, you know, we're, we missed, it's a, it was a block class. We missed the second half of the course. So we had to make decisions on what were the most essential things that they would need for success in the future. And let's try to do a few things really, really well, instead of just cover everything just for the sake of doing everything, you know, just to check boxes. And so I think, you know, understanding, and it gets into the, you know, quality versus quantity. Definitely. I think going from there, then we, you know, the, the third point was this idea of just a, Quick three, urgency, transparency, and consistency in how you're communicating. And there have been a lot of great models uh, that we can look to in our community over how everything's been done from the school system to city hall to the chamber to all these different things. People have done a great job. But I think if you boil it down and you, and you look for just the commonalities of, uh, of what the most effective people have done, there's been urgency, transparency, and then consistency with updates, okay? One of the first points though we were talking about is because time is so scarce and there's so many other variables in play right now. Um, and people are also having meetings after hours, right? Because we're trying to accommodate different lifestyles, kids, nap time, this Zoom meeting, et cetera, okay? So if you're gonna have an altogether staff Zoom meeting, all right? Uh, we got this from a book study we did uh, in a graduate course about a year ago. And it was this book called Trillion Dollar Coach. I don't know if anybody's read it or not. It's about Bill Campbell. And he used to be, they called him Trillion Dollar Coach because he was like the coach to guys like Jeff Bezos or uh, uh, Steve Jobs. He was a former uh, Ivy League football coach, but then he got into a corporate world and he used the same gifts that he had in athletics uh, to kind of advise these great CEOs. And, and in that book, uh, one thing that he, he mentions that, that always stuck with us was um, how you prepare for a meeting says a lot about how you value people's time, okay? So obviously, he was talking mostly about in-person, but I think it's even more applicable 
to how we're conducting Zoom meetings as a staff right now, especially if they're going to be after hours. So if we're going to do an 8.30 p.m. meeting on a Tuesday night, like that thing better be crisp because we got kids going to bed at certain times. We've got this. I'm trying to have, you know, still have a conversation with my spouse, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I know that's something we've talked about because this is happening more. Like we're having to be flexible with other people's, uh, you know, lifestyles right now. Yeah, there's no doubt. That's actually our football staff. Uh, we are meeting, we're having two full staff meetings a week right now. Uh, and we are doing them at 8.30 p.m. because of the craziness and, and you know, it gives people a chance to maybe get their kids settled. Um, you know, we have, we have six boys, uh, eight and under. Um, we have other coaches with a lot of small kids. So it gives, you know, everybody a chance to, to hopefully get the kids settled before a meeting like you're talking about. But you definitely want to be respectful of people's time. Uh, one little thing that I have tried to do myself to um, hold myself accountable to that is make sure I always send out an agenda for the meeting before the meeting happens. That way everybody knows what's coming and it holds me accountable to stick to that agenda and cover the topics, the important things that need to be covered. And then we get out, you know, there is like this mm -hmm. awkwardness now. I'm sure y'all have felt this of how do you end a zoom call? Because nobody really has anything to go do. It's like, you can't say like, you know, like, Hey, I've got to go to where, you know, like nobody's really going anywhere. So it's kind of like awkward, you know, at the end of some of these calls, but, uh, but, you know, I, I think that that was one tip for me that, that certainly helped a lot was sending out an agenda to everybody who's going to be there on the front end. So you hold yourself accountable to that agenda. Mm -hmm. Now, didn't you want to touch more on like the, the transparency? And, yeah. yeah, for sure. So transparency, this is something that, that I think is crucial when you talk to people and it's, it's probably even more so during difficult communication, which I would say all of this virtual, um, you know, communication is a little bit more difficult than, than person to person. And I think that avoiding sarcasm is huge. You know, I think you want to be direct because uh, it sends mixed signals, um, you know, and I, and I think one thing that's important, I think on a, on a team, any, any kind of team, uh, sports team or a business team or whatever it is, I think discussing on the front end how you're going to handle communication in stressful times is crucial. Um, you know, and I think being up front and, and discussing it. So I'll give you a football example with us. We, you know, we spend time doing this. We talk to our players about, you know, during a game, we may have 30 seconds to make a correction of something that just happened on the field. We don't have time. You know, you're supposed to have people talk about that four to one ratio, you know, of positive comments to negative comments. Well, in that 30 seconds, I don't have time to pat you on the back four times before I fix the problem that we have, you know. So we talk about that on the front end and we say, look, we all have the same objective. We're all trying to get to the same place. So we're going to be direct with communication. We're going to be obviously respectful. You know, we're not crossing that line, but we're going to be direct. We're going to fix what needs to be fixed. And then we're going to move on because we don't have time to, you know, to have uh, hurt feelings get in the way and all those sort of things. But I think we do a good job of preparing for that on the front end. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think too, of like when we're talking about transparency, like I saw this thing the other day, um, uh, Adam Grant put it out and he's a, he's a great organizational psychologist. He's a great follow on social media, but he put this out. It was like a, a screenshot of a work email that was being circulated. And the work email was this, right? There are some difficult decisions being made right now we're talking about finances, right? And certain people are, you know, maybe being let go, put on furlough, et cetera. 
and uh, the the screenshot from uh, it was from the CEO, and it was to all the employees, and it mentioned, "Hey, there's some tough decisions getting ready to come. I, I want to let you know, every decision that was made came through me. Ultimately, okay, I'm the one that made it. So uh, some people uh, may have been dismissed by their direct report, a manager. I'm here to tell you." I'm the one that made the call. The direct manager, most of the time, even fought for you. And I'm the one that made the call. So do not get mad at them or, or anything like that. It's, it's, it was pure ownership. And uh, it was so refreshing because I think people can accept bad news. I know I can accept bad news if, I'm, if you're honest with me from the jump, okay? And transparent. Hey, this is what happened, all right? Our budget, we're, we're going to have to trim 20% off of this. Has to happen. When I look at priorities, this is what falls on priority three. It's, it, this is what has to happen. You got to take a hit on this right here. Okay? And you got to own it. It's model. And so I felt that was best for our organization. But I, I think with, if there's transparency, if there's ownership, um, even if there's a mistake that happens, Hey, we ordered this and it wasn't the right call. We may have misused or, or misguided. I didn't give the correct updates. As long as I think you own it and apologize, people are going to be forgiving. It's when it's swept under the rug or, or you're blaming people that there's an issue. Um, and so I really look at, uh, I, I thought the way like, I, I'm not as well versed over at Lafayette school system as much, but just seeing from, how Brian Harvey's communicated over at Oxford, you know, from the jump, even with like, you know, things that have copped up and Chris, you can add to this. Uh, I think there's been this level of transparency and ownership that like, this was my call. This is what was needed. And there's transparency with it. And there's just a lot of swift updates. So people know what's going on. Yeah, I think that's huge. I think the, the consistent updating as, as of what's going on is, is absolutely crucial. And, um, you know, I read, and, and you're right, Mr. Harvey's done a phenomenal job of that, you know, um, you know, both as a, as a teacher in the district and as a parent in the district, I have felt like, you know, I, that I've known what's going on. I've felt like I've been in the loop. Um, you know, I've read uh, a John Gordon uh, John Gordon's a great author, um, love his stuff. But one of the things he talks about is anytime there's a lack of communication, then that void is going to be filled with negativity. And I think that that is probably incredibly true in this environment that we're in. If people are not being communicated with, they are going to, res you know, resort to a lot of negativity as quickly as possible. So, you know, I think giving updates, even sometimes where you feel like it may be overkill, you know, to you, uh, I think people appreciate being in the loop and knowing what's going on. Absolutely. Um, I'll go back to what you said as you were kind of talking about your staff meeting, uh, you know, when they're happening late at night, eight thirty. you know, this is something we've talked about and making sure that you empower the staff. I've got experts in these pockets, but uh, one thing we wanted to add with that, especially when we're talking about how to keep that time schedule crisp. Um, I remember this, this was a story uh, about uh, President Bush, uh, 43, and politics aside, it was just about, it was an organizational management story. And they were saying he was really good about being disciplined, of leading uh, an all-staff meeting, 
and he would go through and, and it would be like you'd have area reports, right? So I'd go to this person on policy and, and this person on uh, budget, whatever it may be, right? But if you ever veered off of your expertise and started weighing in on someone else's expertise, he would immediately interject and then kind of put the brakes on it and say, that's not why, you know, that's not what I'm asking from you. Okay. I want you to be an expert in your area. I want the person that's responsible to be the expert and to inform the staff from his or her point of view. And that's so crucial that you uh, maintain that a to like, it's almost like you're protecting the expertise of your people. So I don't want somebody to feel like, you know, that expertise is being diluted in an all staff meeting where anybody can chime in. But the other thing with that too, is for the time's sake, like we don't have time for three people to weigh in on one subject. If we're trying to be efficient, the person that's responsible, that's who's going to weigh in and inform the rest of us. And we're going to trust he or she to deliver that. So, yeah, and I think that gets back to, like you said, which is a whole other topic is, you know, hiring people you trust to do that, right? When you're in that position, yeah. you got to have people that you're going to trust to do the work to make sure that, you know, those are informed decisions. And, and then, you know, they have credibility with their peers, and then everybody can be on board with what happens. So I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, a crucial part of that for sure. No doubt. And it goes back to, too, like, you want a good team, you don't want just a good leader, right? Like I'm sure the way that you operate your staff, you don't want to be known as just every decisions from you, right? It's like, you want this to be a great staff. Yeah. I, there's no doubt. I, I think I'm pretty sure this is a general patent quote. I, I'm going to completely butcher it, but it's something along the lines of, you know, the number one job of a, of a leader is to create, create more leaders. Um, you know, and he was talking about obviously uh, war, but said if he's the first one to get shot in the battle, and he's the best leader, you know, that's ever existed, then, then what good does that do, right? If he hasn't empowered other people to also lead, you know, and obviously what we're doing is nothing near as, as serious mm -hmm. as what he was doing, but the, I think the mentality still holds true. It kind of, I read a, in a book, uh, uh, it was a football book by a coach named Dub Maddox. Um, he's a really smart guy, uh, has, has some good stuff for sure. And uh, he told a story about Gus Malzahn, who's the head coach at Auburn, head football coach at Auburn and, um, you know, is definitely considered a, a great offensive mind in football. And um, so, you know, coach Dub Maddox was speaking with one of his assistant coaches and he talked about how his job at halftime was to go in and get the whiteboard ready for, for Gus Malzahn to come in and, and he would draw up all the ways that the defense had lined up against them during the first half. And he said, he said it was amazing, you know, Gus Malzahn could come in and he could look at this board and he could, you know, just start rattling off everything that they needed to do that would work. And it was like, you know, he could just see it instantly. And so um, Coach Maddox asked the guy, he said, man, that's awesome. Has he taught you how to do that? And he just kind of looked at him like, you know, uh, you know, there was no way. I mean, like he can do it in his mind, but he didn't have any kind of framework for being able to empower somebody else to do that, you know. And so I just think that – and, you know, as an example of you better empower other people because if something happens to you, you know, or, you know, how are you going to trust other people to do what they need to do? No doubt. I think something that we both were talking about the other day, too, we were just observing people that we think have done just a great job during this time period. Like they're really good about still celebrating like the small wins that are happening, because even though like people are feeling the squeeze in regards to budget or you know, there's, there's all these, there's a lot of healthy fear going on and 
there's just a lot of stuff that, that you could kind of categorize in the bad news section. There's a lot of good stuff going on too. And it's the leader's job to continue to like breathe life into your staff and, you know, make people feel like, Hey, we're, we're doing a good job. We're winning. And, uh, you know, I, I think of, uh, of with that, like, uh, you know, I've seen like, I think, I don't know who it is that does the Ole Miss picks on Instagram. I don't know who that is. I guess it's the main photographer for University of Mississippi sports or whatnot. But he started doing this thing. I followed him on Twitter where he would uh, he post the hero of the week, okay? And he's profiling a different person. So, like, it might be the Cheney's pharmacist this week. It might be the firefighter this week. I mean, it's celebrating that there are a lot of good things going on. And I think if a leader can do that within his or her own team, I mean, that's people are going to remember how, how they were praised, how they were treated, especially in a time when they're squeezed. Am I right? There's no doubt. You know, um, we talked about uh, Mr. Harvey earlier as our superintendent, but he, he has a, a, a like a recognition program he does. You know, he, he used to be a baseball coach, so it's called um, Harvey Home Run Ball. So he, you know, finds somebody doing a great job at something, and he, he has these little baseballs printed up uh, that have the values of the Oxford School District, uh, and he'll present them to that person, and he normally will also – put something out on social media. And I think that's been an effective way of recognizing, you know, and celebrating, um, you know, wins that people in your organization have, you know, and I think uh, that's, that's been a cool one that I've seen. Uh, and he has continued to do that during, you know, during this pandemic. And I think that's been, you know, a good boost to see some of those, like you said, good things, positive things that are happening. Absolutely. You know, one of the last thing it goes right into this on so number four, uh, take care of your people. I mean, this is tied back into some other things that we've said, but um, I think, again, just knowing your people and knowing how if I've got good age diversity on my team, on my staff, and my organization, a 23-year-old is probably going to think much differently about this pandemic than a 64-year-old, right? Like there's a different level of fear in one, in one grouping than the other. And so you've got to do such a great job as a leader um, about recognizing when people feel pretty vulnerable to something and making and giving them a reassurance that you're not going to put them in a situation that's going to harm them or, you know, we're going to do, there are objectives we're going to meet, but, uh, you know, it's like you're assuring them, hey, we're going to be fine in this area, this area, this area. Yeah, you know, and, and I think just checking in on your people, you know, from from time to time and not always, you know, not always being, uh, I guess, work oriented with every conversation. You know, I think being able just to check and see how somebody's doing goes a long way, you know. Um, so this this is the ultimate example of that to me. Um, Coach Mike McIntyre, who's now the uh, defensive coordinator at, at Memphis. He was the defense coordinator at Ole Miss last year. Uh, he's been an extremely successful head coach at the Division One level. Um, he was on my dad's staff at Ole Miss, uh, you know, beginning in 1999. And uh, so I was in middle school uh, then when I met Coach McIntyre. And um, there's so I knew him then, you know, obviously knew him and his family very well. And he moved on to other jobs and was doing different things. And, 
you know, a week or two after I graduated from high school, as I was getting ready, uh, you know, to, to head to Tennessee and, and head to college, Coach McIntyre called just to check in on me and kind of wish me luck. And uh, at that point in my, you know, in my journey, it's obviously a big point in your life, you know, heading into college. Um, you know, fast forward a few years and I got a, uh, I, and I got the head coaching job at Oxford. And the night that that news came out, or maybe the next night after that news came out, I get a phone call from from Coach Mike McIntyre, who was the head coach at Colorado at the time, uh, just calling to say congratulations and check in with me and you know talk about uh, you know you know obviously a huge uh, milestone, but you know give you know some advice and some you know some well wishes and that sort of thing, and that was so meaningful to me uh, to have somebody mm-hmm. like him that. It certainly didn't have to do that, but reached out, you know, just out of concern. I thought that was very powerful of him to do that. That is. Well, it's like we said, I mean, you remember. It's like these, these monumental moments in your life, you know. It's like you always remember the highs, you remember the lows, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you remember who was there, who was checking in with no agenda, but just to see how you were or cheer you up or congratulate you, et cetera. And uh, you got to know one of my friends – uh, when I coached at Arkansas State, Jareem Dowling. And I'm fiercely loyal to him because he, he's in the same category, right? Like he was someone, the highs and the lows, Jareem's always there. And he was always funny. I always remember that too. Like there's something about having people on your staff and culture that uh, enjoy life and just give off good energy to everybody else. You know, you just treasure people like that. Well, I know one of the last things we wanted to talk about on, on take care of your people, uh, especially when we're having to be so flexible and do some things outside of normal working hours. And we've also got kids at the house and we may have relatives, all this other stuff it is really also trying to, we've talked about this, how your life almost seems like I wake up, waking kids up, making breakfast trying to get a little bit of work in while they're entertained with some toys or football or something, make lunch, put them down for a nap, try and work again for a pocket. They wake back up. I'm trying to keep them quiet while I'm working. And then, you know, it's like, it's, it's ongoing because there isn't this separation, right? That I go into a physical building and that is my work life. And when I come back to my house, that's my private life. And so I think we got to be very aware too and encourage that there's still a separation. So like, I don't want you working past this point. Like just go be with your spouse and your kids or your parents or whatever it is. Like you got to have a cutoff time. Otherwise it can really feel like all I'm doing is working all the time, every day, all the time. Yeah. I I have certainly uh, felt that, like you said, at times where you, you feel like you're, you're never, you never leave work because you're working from home. Everything's right here. Um, you know, I'll tell you one little simple thing I did to try to protect my, my sanity a little bit was I disabled notifications on my phone from what I would say are like non-essential apps, like stuff that I don't have to check right away. Uh, I just disabled the notifications so that the little red number is not driving me crazy uh, where I have to go and try to clear out uh, that every time. Mm-hmm. I like that one. I like that one. I know that you also also talked though about uh, like that there's got to be some sort of forum though 
or a, some sort of platform that people feel like they can voice concerns, maybe outside of work hours. Like if something hits yeah. them, like the leader needs to know, right? I think so. And I, I think if you don't give, it, it kind of goes back to the communication. If you don't give people uh, a forum to voice concerns or issues that they may have, uh, it's going to breed negativity. Um, and uh, so they have a, they have a phrase. So I, I teach leadership at the high school. Uh, we use a group called lead worthy and they do a program. Uh, it's called capturing kids hearts. Uh, lead worthy is a fantastic organization. They do some great stuff. And so they have a phrase they call people ducks. Okay. Duck stands for dependent upon criticism, killing success. And so they talk about how there's a lack of communication you're breeding ducks. Uh, if you don't give people the appropriate forum for voicing concerns, then you're breeding ducks and they're going to sit around and, and complain about everything that happens and create negativity and hurt the success of your organization. So I, I really, I do think having that outlet, having that, you know, appropriate forum for that, I think is important. Absolutely. You know what I was thinking at the same time, Taylor, we talked of like, like you can't give what you don't have, right? So you still have to protect yourself as a leader of many people. And so like, even though I do create a forum, I've got to be intentional about my design where, you know, it hits my inbox, but I've got, you know, I'm not messing with my email during this part of the evening because you got to still, right, show up at the house. Like you can't be somebody that's, always on your phone all the time at work especially during this part where you're going to get drained and there's going to be different problems that show up from a parenting standpoint from a marriage standpoint uh i know that's something we had talked about too right yeah no question i agree 100 percent with that um you know there's, i think i think it's hard to do but you know there's a lot of things like you know hey this issue you know at, at nine o'clock tonight it's still going to be there tomorrow morning and, you know, it's not something necessarily that has to be done right now. I can put that off and wait, you know, and I think, I think that's an important thing to do, but it's not, not always easy to do. No doubt. Thank you so much for listening to the Coach and Doc podcast. Uh, we know there are a lot of podcasts out there, so we're grateful that you chose ours. If you'd like to learn more about the work that we do, please visit our website. It is at coachanddoc.com. Thanks again.